welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Sharon Reed, news anchor, <clears throat> excuse me, host commentator, Rebel HQ contributor. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day. The 55th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is today. It is also the day where Donald Trump will receive a formal arraignment of the indictment, multiple indictments. First time in the history of our nation, a former president is criminally charged. Let me go back to Dr. King. Everybody is now just very celebratory as, as it relates to Dr. King, his legacy, his message, his ideology, his policy. What are they? You see, 95% of Americans actually say Dr. King was good for the nation today. But when Dr. King was living and actually being good for the nation while physically on this earth, did 95% of Americans believe he was good for the nation? No. There's a lot to the background. What I want to do is provide a clip, a segment, 11 months before the assassination of Dr. King. Here's what he said. Was there something hypocritical about the fact that the South existed and the North could point the finger. And then when the Civil Rights Acts were passed in the early 60s, you couldn't point the finger anymore? Well, there was no doubt about the hypocrisy of uh, large segments of the nation on the whole question of, of racial equality. I think the best example is that many of the senators from the North and the West and congressmen generally who voted for civil rights legislation in 64 and even 65 of the Voting Rights Bill refused last year to vote for civil rights legislation because it dealt with an issue applicable to the North, the whole housing question. And uh, this, it seems to me, was the greatest expression of the hypocrisy of uh, many of our citizens and many of the senators and congressmen of the North. Dr. King was talking about Democrats. Yes, Republicans expressed their racism. They were vocal, visual. While many Democrats in the North in particular, they scoffed, they lamented about the woes of the South. While at the same time, at the same time, passing racist legislation themselves. They were okay with black people voting. They were not okay with black people having equal opportunity in housing. Those were Democrats who opposed that legislation. The reality is Dr. King was an equal opportunity ass kicker. If you were on the wrong side of the policy, you were on the wrong side of him. You must respect a man who had so much courage that he was willing to at times disagree with his own base of support in order to hold him accountable to a leadership standard that would help progress the black community and by extension, historically marginalized people. Let's be very clear about why 95% of Americans love him today. Tuesday marks 
in American history. This is the 55th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., legend, a hero, and icon. The civil rights leader was shot and killed on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in, in Memphis, Tennessee. This was in 1968. We look forward to continuing to build on the nonviolent practitioners through the King Center. Very serious about that work and creating a beloved community, said Dr. Bernice King, who happens to be a dear friend of mine. My father said that nonviolence is the pathway. I agree. To this day, Dr. King remains widely regarded as one of the greatest nonviolent leaders in history. He spearheaded the civil rights movement from the mid-1950s until his assassination. Several events are scheduled across Atlanta to honor the civil rights leader, including a candid conversation about economic inequality. Also planned is the decades-long tradition, the wreath-laying ceremony at Dr. King's by Dr. King's immediate family. My ancestors, great-grandfather, grandfather, father, and mother made a mark in this city, and I hope I will be able to continue the legacy, Dr. Bernice King told Fox 5 News. Over the weekend, the new statue of Dr. King was unveiled in the historic Rodney Cook Senior Peace Park. The statue is a visual representation of the iconic I have been to the mountaintop speech delivered the day before he was killed. I'm about to get into some statistics about Dr. King and how people in this country actually perceive his message, his legacy, his platform, and his philosophy. But before I do that, let me make sure I say this clearly. You see, they are still giving us statues. There's nothing wrong with a statue. But when a statue has been allowed to take place of a statute, that is a problem. When a statue will, will get a celebration and all of a sudden we no longer push for the policy that the statue should represent, that is a problem. You know, there are some politicians who will literally say behind closed doors, give those Negroes a statue of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That'll keep them quiet for 10 years. Don't allow the game to be played on you. As I said, statues, not bad. Holidays, not bad. But when they take place of the original idea, which was to give a better policy to those who have been disenfranchised in this country by way of design, that's when it becomes bad. Let me give you the stats. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., civil rights leader, American hero, almost every American adult, 95%, 95%, they actually believe Dr. King was good for the nation. This is according to a CBS News polling. Last Gallup poll to ask about the popularity during his lifetime was taken in 1966. Found his unfavorable rating was 63%. You do realize that's higher than Donald Trump's. This included 39% of Americans who gave him a negative five rating. The worst rating in the system or the scale was negative five. Almost 40% of Americans said he was the worst American in the United States of America at that time. There's more. In the middle of 1964, when Congress was in the midst of passing many of the landmark civil rights laws we currently have, King's favorable rating was only 44%. His unfavorable was basically equal at 38%. When Americans were 
asked which three Americans they had the least respect for, the least respect for in 1964, the Gallup poll came back. King came in second with 42%. This was barely less than 47% registered by George Wallace, a segregationist, a racist governor of Alabama. Only 17% mentioned King's name when asked which three Americans they had the most respect for during his time. Perhaps even more revealing is that a lot of white Americans thought King was doing more harm than good for the fight for civil rights. In a 1966 Harris poll, 50% of white Americans indicated that he was actually hurting civil rights. A mere 36% said he was helping. King's favorable rating among them was 27%, 1966. It was Dr. King who said he believed America was more racist than he ever imagined. It was Dr. King who said that it's one thing to sit where you want to sit in a restaurant, it's another thing to own it. It was Dr. King who said a universal basic income is going to be required in order to correct the economic injustices that have been done to black people and historically marginalized communities. It was Dr. King who stood up for these principles. Now, you may not have heard some of these sayings, you may not have heard some of those speeches, you may not have heard those interviews. Why? Because the curation of Dr. King has been selectively given to you in order for you to digest Dr. King. The reason why 95% of Americans love Dr. King today, because he's not here anymore. But if he was, I guarantee you, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, the Donald Trumps of the world, would not be friendly to a Dr. King. So when they tell you they support King, or when they say, uh, we celebrate the principles of King, understand they do not celebrate his platform, his policy, nor his stance as it relates to advocacy for people. All right, sharing thoughts here. And Doc, you can't celebrate him and support him and try to erase him at the same time because they're doing that as well. Dr. King taught us that you have to make a choice. What's important to you, being liked, in vogue? If that's important to you, you can't lead, you can't go where you're supposed to go. And I think he taught us something else. It's a question you gotta ask yourself, Doc. Do you wanna be liked? Do you Mm -hmm. mind being disagreed with? Um, If you do, then you're not going to be leading and you're not going to embody what this great, great man, 39 years old, gave us all. That's right. He was so young. We forget the context of his age, given the impact of his legacy. Only 39 years of age making that kind of legacy because he was uncompromised uh, when it came to his leadership. There's a man who decided to attack an 11-year-old black child. He receives, in my opinion, a light sentence. Put his picture up full mass. You're looking at Larry Wayne Baldner, 74 years of age. A North Dakota man was sentenced to two years for physically attacking black children who were playing outside. Now, they were playing outside of his home but that is not a criminal offense. I will explain why. Ballner started the confrontation after finding five children playing basketball in a driveway that he shared with neighbors at his duplex home on September 21st, 2021. And he told them to leave his property. 
for the background on the incident, an 11 year old who lived next door, lived next door, he knew her, lived next door, told police they were playing on her family's side of the sidewalk according to a criminal complaint. But she said the man used a racial slur and slapped the 11 year old child across the face. The girl and her sister confronted the racist, Mr. Baldner, who then grabbed the 11-year-old by the neck and hair, lifted her off the ground and began choking her according to the complaint. The sister struck Baldner in the face and helped her get away, but the child's hair extension was ripped from her head and the older man then hit the sister in the face. These are small children. The defense attorneys requested the judge to sentence him to time served, which would amount to three days, and place him on 90 days of home incarceration. And they argued that the one child who had been present claimed the 11-year-old pushed Baldner, who denies using a racial slur. Prosecutor said Baldner was unrepentant, and called the charges against him a crock, despite pleading guilty to aggravated assault, a Class C felony, the simple assault, a misdemeanor. Bonner repeatedly minimizes his own conduct and attempts to shift blame to the victims, according to the prosecutor. So here's the thing, why don't you let him plead? Why don't you let him plead? Why give him a deal that is not required by the Constitution or by law? You do not have to give anyone a plea deal. It is not a constitutional dynamic that's protected. You have the right to due process. You have the right to this trial. That's what you have the right to do. So don't wax poetic now about how the individual never took responsibility, but you decided to allow him to take a plea. You are now not taking responsibility, DA. You allowed the plea, knowing full well, he had absolutely no remorse for what he had done and still blamed the victims. He abused children. The man abused children. He gets two years. He is probably going to have much of that probated with something called good time after he serves a certain amount of time. If we continue to treat criminals who engage in child abuse, race-based child abuse, with kid gloves like this, what, what incentive do they have not to attack our children? So I don't buy it from the DA. Uh, this was a light sentence, especially given the attitude of this individual who decided to not take responsibility and throughout the entire ordeal blame children for his actions of criminality. Sharon, thoughts on this? I think you're exactly right. He, did, he beat this child. Choked. Yeah. I heard everything he said, Doc. Choked, lifted off the ground, yeah. the hair, the whole thing. You assaulted a child and you're allowed to just plead. Some people need to be made an example of. Mm -hmm. This is one. This that's is right. one of them. That's right. And that's the kind of language relegated typically to gangsters, right? So yeah. if there's a, a gangbanger somewhere. Oh, we're going to make an example out of this person, hold a press conference. Uh, they have all the law enforcement behind them. But why not for people like him who abuse children? All right, I'm waiting for a DA to say, I'm going to make an example out of a white supremacist. Nashville, massive student protest. Here it is. Now. 
you're looking at more than 7,000 problem solvers. 7,000 students decided to march on the Capitol in Tennessee because Tennessee has refused to do anything as it relates to gun safety, gun reform in this country. Let's put the picture up, full mask. Proud of these students. More than 7,000 students left class and marched to the Tennessee Capitol on Monday, according to March for Our Lives, which organized the demonstration. Let me take you to a Republican lawmaker. This is State Representative William Lamberth. William told students that banning a specific gun would, and, and I quote, do almost nothing to improve y'all's safety. That's what he said. Now, they did give him a proper rebuttal. He then goes on to say, if there is a firearm out there that you're comfortable being shot with, please show me which one it is. He says this to students. He said he also suggested it would be impossible to stop every single gun from getting into the hands of a crazy person, a deranged person maybe a convicted felon. Well, guess what? His gaslighting did not work with that student body. And let me say this for the record. You know, it's called cause and effect. Virtually every illegal gun in America started as what? A legal gun. It only became illegal because of the transaction. Somebody may have stolen it at some point, used it in a crime. But every gun starts as a legal gun. Number one. Number two. When we had the assault weapons banned in America, guess what went down? Crimes related to assault weapons. Isn't that something? One policy decreased carnage and murder. There's more. Let's put them up. Meanwhile, the three Democratic lawmakers in the Tennessee House of Representatives are now facing expulsion. Why? After leading a protest against gun violence, on the House floor last week, Tennessee House Republicans voted to strip Representatives Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson of their committee seats. They also filed resolutions to expel the lawmakers for disorderly behavior. While they expelled the Democrats, uh, there hasn't been action towards a Republican put him up, Representative Lafferty, who got into a physical altercation with Representative Justin Jones. This is the incident and the aftermath. Representative Justin Lafferty pushed me and stole my phone and tried to incite a riot with his fellow members in this section of the, of the House floor. I have it on video. I will send it to you. Representative Jones, that is not a parliamentary question. That is an accusation. You can have that question at a later date, but this is unfinished business. Battery is a felony offense in Tennessee that involves any physical contact with another individual that is against their will or not consented to. Having witnessed a battery on this House floor, I think we need to respond in kind to anyone who has committed this felonious conduct. We don't have battery in this state, sir, with all due respect. We have assault, and for it to be a felony, it would have to be with a deadly weapon or cause serious bodily injury, but any other type of assault would be a misdemeanor, also which 
which we would not approve of. Look at that. One of their lawmakers engages in physical combat against a colleague in violation of policy rules, the floor rules, and the actual state law. What do they do? They do not move to expel, but to defend. However, three Democratic lawmakers, they have the audacity to simply speak up, to advocate for gun safety in Tennessee. They get stripped of their committee powers and face expulsion. This is the game they're playing. This is the game they are playing. Listen, I would love to tell you, I would love to tell you, that good intentions will mean everything. It's not true. Power in the political context has to be used when you have it. And if it is not, it will be used against you because you failed to, or you don't have the capacity. You don't lose as a politician, we lose as people. The politicians are the conduit to good policy. When they can't deliver that, they're not the ones who really lose. It seems as if they take an L, but it's really the communities who need that good policy to take the loss. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. Well, once again, you're exactly right. The the trio, the Democrats with a conscience, they, they have to go, but the guns can stay. These Republicans in Tennessee must believe that, well, just lock the doors. Never mind if the gunman blows a hole right through them and six people, including three children, die. The guns can stay. Anyone who says anything about it has to go or sit down and shut up. Yep. That's exactly the message they're sending. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Always a pleasure to be with you. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Before I do that, remember the watch list, Big Homie J.R. Jackson. Tune in right after you watch Unbossed with Nina Turner. Stay tuned in for the watch list. J.R. Jackson shares his takes on the stories you should be paying attention to. News, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. Subscribe to the watch list and watch live daily, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Go to youtube.com forward slash watch list, TYT. A lot of comments, let me get it. Can't get them all. A square peg in a round hole. Democrats do not have a perfect record in regard to racial issues, and they still don't. Republicans have just set the bar so low that Democrats look like social justice warriors in comparison. That is so well said. And they know this. They know that basically in a two-party system, when the other party is so extremely dysfunctional as it relates to your values and policies you care about, uh, they feel as if, well, what choice do you have, right? Very good point. Okay. Very interesting. All right, let me go to YouTube member, Progressive Boomer, member for four months. Thank you, Dr. Richie. Thank you. We appreciate your support. Um, X Duval, X County, welcome to Double Doser. We appreciate you joining. Uh, and thank you for gifting five indisputable subscriptions. We appreciate that as well. Tyler Hackner, member for six months. Love you and the work you do every day. Standing up for the truth and accountability and helping young people as a community college student myself. Thank you, Tyler. Good luck to you 
young scholar. All right. Also, ex Duval, ex County, thank you for that. We appreciate your support. Random, we're fighting against the Satan's book bans in Florida by citing excerpts in his book that violate, violates his law. Uh, thanks, Dr. Richard, for everything. Grab a cup of coffee on me. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. C. Michael Henson, we appreciate you, C. Michael. This is another example of people wrongly thinking that our black children are older than they really are. Hope he gets the same treatment in person. And sometimes it's not they think they are older, they just treat them as if they are, all right? Uh, and one more. Kahi, thank you, Kahi. Uh, thank you for the fight on injustices. It is my pleasure. Iron sharpens iron. Without you, there is no me. We're in this together. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're your still friend. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Hey, what's up, guys? Here I am in Target, my local Target, right? Check this out. So we're in the boys' section, guys, boys' clothes section. I want to show you over here. This is the clothing we have for boys. Dinosaurs are cool, right? Why is there a big rainbow behind the dinosaur? We're not going to stop there. we got a cloud hula hooping with a rainbow. What's this? Trucks are cool, right? Picking up a rainbow. Why are we picking up a rainbow, guys? Why is this boys' clothing today? I'm not done. Like Baby Shark? Bye-bye. There's masculinity. That's what they're doing. They're destroying masculinity. Guys, it's time to stand up against this wokeness. We need to stand up as parents and leaders and fathers. This male Karen, his Karenicity is not only out of, out of control, it is misinformed. So, uh, male Karen, let's put his picture up. Uh, male Karen, I have a question. Sir, why are you in the boys' section and you're not shopping for children? Second question, that shirt may actually fit you. Okay, here's the thing, sir. Uh, rainbows are beautiful. Rainbows are magical. If you are a Christian evangelical, rainbows should be celebrated by you because according to the scripture, a rainbow is sign of the covenant that God made between humanity and heaven to never destroy the earth by water again. Remember that story, that biblical lesson, that text in the Old Testament? That's what the rainbow represents. And here's the other thing, sir. Rainbows occur naturally in nature. So for you to make these comparisons, weird to say the least. Live and let live, that's what I say. Uh, but it is interesting, you make a living going to Target and going into the boys section holding up shirts that probably do fit you. All right, share your thoughts here. He was buying one. Okay, right. he was attempting to buy one. He's right. angry. And what more can we say, Dr. Richie? He's very angry that he never got to pet a unicorn. That's, That's what it. it's about. That's all. It's plain and simple. That's all. The <laughs> world needs more rainbows and unicorns. That's it. Maybe we can solve Karenicity like that. Okay. Um, very sad. When I tell you this is a hell of a story, cops end up killing a pet goat, then cooking, barbecuing the goat for themselves. It's a hell of a thing. Um, let's put the picture up for a mask. If this was not a story that we vetted, I wouldn't believe it, okay? A California woman sold her daughter's pet goat to her local county and district state fair. 
But now she's suing them after they allegedly slaughtered and barbecued it. Jessica Long purchased Cedar, the beloved pet goat in April. This was 2022 for her nine-year-old daughter who cared for the farm animal every day. Long purchased the goat for her daughter to enter into the 4-H program. Big ups to 4-H, by the way. Uh, the Shasta District Fair. Children are taught how to care for farm animals. The animals are then entered in an auction to be sold and then slaughtered for meat in hopes of teaching children about the work and care needed to raise livestock and provide food as farmers and ranchers. Long pleaded, Long pleaded for the fair to make an exception and let her and her daughter take Cedar back. Aware that Cedar had already been sold in auction, she also offered to pay you back for the goat and any other expenses I cost according to the letter obtained by the Times. Instead, officials <clears throat> reached out to the county sheriff's office armed with a search warrant. Detectives drove more than 500 damn miles, 500 miles across Northern California in search for a damn goat. Okay? This is according to the search warrant. Deputies believe Cedar was staying at Bleeding Hearts Farm and Sanctuary in Napa County. Uh, the, uh, based on the fact that the Sanctuary had posted on Instagram its support for long and urging people to call the district fair to convince them to spare Cedar. But Long had taken Cedar to a farm in Sonoma County because she and her family live in a residential area in Shasta County uh, and are unable to farm animals there. Echoing language used when law enforcement search a home for drugs, the warrant allowed deputies, and I quote, unbelievable, to utilize breaching equipment to force open doorways, entry doors, exit doors, and locked containers, and to search all rooms, garages, and storage rooms and outbuildings of any kind large enough to accommodate a small goat. Cedar was taken and slaughtered. What in the hell is going on? They put out a warrant for a goat, drive 500 miles to go get the goat, obtain a warrant from a judge that's so damn specific they could find, uh, they could find a needle in a haystack, literally obtain the goat, slaughter the goat, cook the goat, and eat the goat. What? Now, let me put this in another context, because the lawsuit uh, is spot on. I want you to think about this in the sense of evidence, okay? Or in the sense of uh, obtaining uh, undue enrichment. If we're talking about a search warrant for, let's say, drugs or money, Okay, or some other item. And the police take it. The police get a warrant. They drive 500 miles and they seize the money. They seize the drugs or they seize the item. Okay. And then they use it for personal use. Oh, that's a felony. That's against the law. But that's exactly what they did here. They got a warrant, drove 500 miles, obtained the merchandise known as the goat and used it for personal use. The lawsuit. Long has since filed a federal lawsuit against 
the district fair officials and the county arguing it committed an egregious waste of police resources, violated her and her daughter's Fourth Amendment and 14th Amendment rights, protecting them from unreasonable searches and seizures and due process. Longer her attorneys alleged the dispute was a civil matter she was willing to resolve. And that is the icing on this dysfunctional cake. This matter was never a criminal matter from start. It was a civil matter that they decided to become creative and make it a criminal matter for what? To go get a goat that they cook and eat? These are some sick SOBs. Obviously, the story is now developing since Everyone has caught wind of it in the media. We will see what the response is during the week. Sharon, what are your thoughts on this? I'd like it to be a criminal matter now. Yeah. Remember Charlotte's Web, Dr. Ritchie? Oh, yeah. Even Wilbur got to live. <laughs> he went right. to the county fair. He got to live. <laughs> Who did. are these sick people? I think it should be a criminal matter, and they should be sentenced to 10 years of watching Charlotte's Web on loop. This there is despicable. It's so sad, and we can't even understand the why. What would make a cop want to even drive 500 miles to do something like this? It is insane. Obviously, there's more to the story that we do not know. Hell, it could be something as simple as a bet or a vendetta. We don't know. But to drive 500 miles, a 1,000 miles round trip for a damn goat is a misuse of police resources. I don't care what district you're in. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Thank you for staying with us. All right. Let's get it. RFD underscore Ramo underscore Dragon. You know this deranged dude shoots his AR at actual rainbows. What? I would not be surprised. Okay. Uh, Lefloon says, the real question is why are you so afraid of rainbows? Doesn't seem very manly to me. All right, Mark 2251, imagine your masculinity being so fragile that you're triggered by a rainbow on a shirt. Yeah, C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Mel Karen was actually shopping for clicks and views. Well, it possibly is that, right? I agree. Bernie, the Kiwi Dragon, uh, thank you for this. Don't tell fragile masculinity Karen that blue was for uh, girls and pink was for boys in the 19th century, I don't think his poor brain can take it. Or perhaps the fact that those in the Old Testament wore what we would call dresses. There were no pants. Okay. All right. Barely heard a peep. White male, heavily armed, enough to start a small war, according to authorities, on the campus of a black college. Put it up full mass. Brandon James Bentley, 27 years of age, heavily armed man who seemingly had enough guns and other weapons and ammunition to start a small war, was quietly arrested on the campus of the historically black university, HBCU, in North Carolina last week. Let me give you background to this. After being pulled over for driving suspiciously, Bentley was taken into custody on North Carolina A&T State University's campus in Greensboro early Thursday morning. That's according to local news. 
He was hit with multiple felony charges and accused of being violent and threatening law enforcement. Let me say this. Let me tell you how I got wind of this story. Literally two people texted me about this yesterday. One, a college student on the campus who used to be my college student and a state rep who has a child on that campus. Both of them texted me yesterday. I had no idea this happened because as the narrative goes, this was a very quiet arrest. Police say they discovered two handguns, two shotguns, one rifle, a crossbow, machete, stun gun, hatchets, knives, choking devices, pepper spray, a blow dart gun, brass knuckles, and other weaponry in his vehicle. They also said he had more than a thousand rounds of various ammunition. Greensboro Police Department's hazardous devices team also responded due to a potential threat of an explosive device, which turned out to be fireworks. Bentley was charged with the following. Multiple weapons offenses, including firearm on educational property, explosive device on educational property, weapon on educational property, carrying a concealed weapon, driving with revoked license, and reckless driving. After appearing in court Thursday, Bentley was held on a $100,000 bond, banned from the campus. If he is bonded out, according to the bond release, he must stay away from any educational institution as part of his conditional release, according to Fox 8 News. Other incidents of threats against HBCU. So Bentley's arrest comes more than a year after dozens of HBCUs were the targets of bomb threats. We covered that right here on Indisputable. In November, the FBI announced it planned to charge one juvenile with making racist threats against nearly five dozen HBCUs across the country. Uh, full transparency, I'm an HBCU professor. Um, one of my degrees is from an HBCU. I lecture at HBCUs all year. I remember when we were getting those threats and I remember the emails and the requirement of us having to stay on high alert to increase security, to hire more um, security guards or officers to work more on shifts during the day. And then a juvenile was discovered to be at least partially responsible, according to the authorities, for some of the phone calls. Some people took a breath of relief. Not a big deal. Don't be so careful here. What happened on this campus was probably an element that saved the lives of many. Why was he there? Thankfully, he was caught. He was apprehended. But what if he wasn't caught and not apprehended? Do you think he was there just to cruise? Now, here's the other thing. He had all of this ammunition. He had all of these weapons. However, he's not on anybody's radar. You know why? Because he can buy as much ammunition as he chooses in America. He can buy as many guns as he chooses in America without a red flag. You can't transfer 10,000 damn dollars from your bank without a red flag going to the FBI. But you can buy 10,000 guns and nothing happens. It's a damn shame. All right, hopefully we get more information. This is not connected to something else, but we shall see. Sharing thoughts here. Yeah, I, there's a lot we don't know. You're right, Dr. Ritchie. And I just want law enforcement 
to treat this with the same urgency, if you will, that they they do in other places. I want to make sure that whatever was going on on this HBCU campus is fully investigated. That's right. That's right. We shall see. Um, obviously, story developing. A cop decides to slap the whistle from a coach has now been arrested. Uh, let's put it up for a mask. Sergeant, excuse me, Michael Russell, a homicide investigator for the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, has been arrested after he was accused of smacking a whistle from a referee's mouth at a children's soccer game. I, I want you to understand this. L look at him, okay? He walks up to an adult, slaps the whistle out of the referee's mouth in front of everybody, okay? What do you think he has done to those he polices? What do you think he has done to those he arrested? If he's willing to do something like this in view of everyone. Sheriff T.K. Water said Russell, 46 years of age, was booked Tuesday on a charge of battery on a sports official. Also noting that he is the second Jacksonville police officer arrested this year alone. The case stems from a soccer game that Russell attended while off duty, out of uniform. This was on March 25th. A fight broke out between the teams. and Referee began blasting their whistles to break it up. That is when Russell walked onto the field toward a referee, hit him in the face, knocking the whistle out of his mouth, Warder said Tuesday. Russell was hired in 2008. He made sergeant December 28, 2019, according to records. He remains on the police force while his criminal charge is investigated, but he has been relieved of his homicide duties. Russell's arrest report indicates the incident occurred about noon on Saturday at the regional park. Several parents came into the field during the fight. It says, Investigating officers found a photo and cell phone video of the incident. No alcohol was involved, the report says. Portions of the report were blacked out. So it was not clear whether Russell was related to any of the children playing soccer. After Russell's criminal case is decided, the sheriff's office will begin its administrative review. Uh, Randy Reeves, let's put him up. You see Randy? Randy is president of the Fraternal Order of Police. He says the union has faith that the investigation will be complete and thorough. Sergeant Russell is entitled to the same due process afforded every citizen, and we have no further comment while that process occurs. That is correct. He has due process. Due process has nothing to do with him keeping his job. I promise you, if he worked, let's say, at a fast food restaurant and slapped somebody, he would not still be employed while due process takes place. Due process is a constitutional dynamic. That's going to happen. It is amazing to me that the standards of the police are routinely lower than the standards of any other job I've ever had in my natural life. There's no job I've ever had where I can walk up, slap somebody, and still be employed, even, even if for some reason I'm out of uniform, whatever the hell that means. You're a peace officer, peace officer 25 hours. When you are sworn as a peace officer, you are a peace officer every day, no matter what. All right, share your thoughts here. I think you're right. Even if you work WWE and you were in the back hallway That's right. after your match, you'd probably be tossed out of there, okay? Yeah. If it wasn't part of the skit, they would toss you That's out right. of there, okay? He should have been gone, and what else do we not know about? Right, 
And that's the part, because obviously if this man can't control himself in front of children and parents and cameras, he definitely has lost control when none of that is available. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me get to some of these comments. Uh, Biden flavor corn pop, a quiet arrest, huh? Uh, when is Daryl Johnson going to be listened to about the danger of white supremacists trying to trigger another civil war? That's right. As a matter of fact, we have some on record who say that's exactly what they're trying to do. Okay. Michael Gonzalez, this says MAGA all over it. It does. Talking about the HBCU uh, would be mass shooter. David Morris, apparently the ref isn't allowed to call a foul against his son. Uh, there you go. Uh, and let's go to Twitch, uh, dissident PM. Sounds like an attempted uh, crystal fascist domestic terrorism attack to me. Surely he'll be charged with such, question mark. Nope, he was not. All right, very sad story. So what if I told you a couple who adopted a child allows the child to starve, goes to court, gets convicted, no jail time because the judge says, what about the other adopted children? We have to think about them. This is insane. Uh, picture full mass. I'm about to tell you a hell of a story. An Idaho couple, Byron and Gwendolyn Buthman, were convicted of starving, starving their adoptive daughter until the point she went into cardiac arrest. However, according to a judge, they will not, they will not, be serving any jail time for their crime. So keep that picture up. Now I read over this case. I have information about the DA and everybody else. So here's the thing. Uh, in the court of law, they will not serve jail time. I am not the court of law. I am the court of public opinion. Byron and Gwendolyn, were slapped with four years of probation, 300 hours of community service last Tuesday by Judge Darla Williamson, who ruled that jail time would hurt the four adoptive kids they still have. Why in the hell do they still have four damn children in their household? The judge additionally withheld judgment, which means if the couple follows the rules of probation, their conviction will be vacated. The hell? A ruling that led some to actually gasp in the courtroom. That's according to the Idaho statesman. The pair were convicted June 2022 for mistreating the young girl that they previously were each, uh, that they were in jail previously four. They went jail for one day, were credited with time served. The judge's decision comes after prosecutors requested they face 20 years, 20 years, one day. Prosecutor said this is a 20 year crime here. Judge says no, one day. 20 years behind bars was the request with at least five years in the slammer before parole could even be considered. That's according to a news release from the county prosecutor's office, put up the prosecuting attorney. Jan M. Bennett, okay? She's to blame, at least partly, the judge 
partly as well, because both could have rejected this ridiculous plea. The prosecutor's office detailed neglect and mistreatment of the girl named E.B. in court records. Faced under her adopted parents' care from the age of three to six, including only allowing her to eat vegetable powder for food, sleeping in the laundry room without bedding. The girl testified she was so hungry that she ate toilet paper after she was locked in the bathroom. The prosecutor's office said the depraved malnourishment and forcing the girl to stand outside in cold temperatures in just a diaper led her to go into cardiac arrest October 2017. She survived it. The abuse continued. ADA Deputy Prosecutor Daniel Dinger says, and I quote, I certainly do not think that it is in any way an exaggeration to suggest that this was nearly a homicide, that EB could have died as a result of the defendant's conduct. The two were found guilty of felony injury to a child with an enhancement for producing great bodily harm and the misdemeanor count of injury to a child after they were arrested in 2019. They kept it going. But Williamson, the judge, leaned toward the lighter sentence because she believed any more jail time could negatively affect the four other adoptive children they still watch after. Williamson also said that the Buchmans are not the typical criminals she deals with in court, and putting them in jail would only be done to send a message to the public that people who do this sort of thing go to prison, according to the newspaper. She reportedly said she believed both will stay out of trouble and appear to be taking care of their four other kids, even as they are barred from fostering additional children. Put their pictures up again. Look at all of the breaks, all of the favor that they're receiving for the harm they did to a child, starving a child, getting convicted for doing so, having a directive to never be able to adopt again, even though they are allowed to keep the four they currently have. The order should have been to take those children out of the household to do an assessment and investigation. They didn't do that. At this point, somebody needs to check that judge's bank account. This makes no sense. The judge also added that the couple has suffered substantial penalties outside the legal system. The two might never get their old jobs back, the judge said. The, uh, uh, the Buthman's lawyer, Matthew Williams said, excuse me, Byron lost his job as a nurse because of the child abuse. Gwendolyn might never get her teaching certificate back. Why? Child abuse. That's what happens when you abuse children. Gwendolyn, through tears, told the judge during a statement, my children are my pride and joy. I love them very much, she said. But E.B., in a statement read in court by prosecutors, said she wanted her former adopted parents to go to jail. She wanted them to go to jail because I don't want what they did to me to happen to anybody else. What have we de-evolved into? So here's the thing. I'm standing on top of this case because obviously there's some malfeasance here somewhere. A person who literally 
uh, gets convicted, a couple gets convicted of child abuse, the felony version of child abuse, and the other children that they adopted aren't even removed from the household. They receive no jail time. Prosecutors said it should have been 20 years. They get one damn day, both of them. The other children not even taken out of the home? Hell no. There is something foul happening in that courtroom. And we're not letting a damn thing go. I agree with this child. They need to be in jail so it doesn't happen to another baby. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. What the hell is right. going on in Idaho? What is this judge smoking? What kind of beer goggles? And yes, it's got to be something else at play here. The other four children would have been helped yeah. by the jail time. Wow. Yep. Yep. I've never seen, out of all of my reporting, and I'm sure yours too, I haven't seen something this extreme. I've seen calls that I didn't agree with, but something this extreme to literally say, we're going to convict you of child abuse, multiple felony counts. We know you uh, engaged in this. We understand that you are a bad parent, but we think you are a good parent to these other children. Uh, so we're not going to give you jail time. I I've never seen this before. It there is something else. Let me take you back to Mississippi. Mississippi, the state, is passing legislation in order to govern white citizens only inside of their major black district that has a white section of very influential people. They don't want to be governed by the black city. So the state is passing laws to allow them to be governed by others. Let's put it up full mass, put the pictures up. All right, now this racist reality becomes a step closer to actually becoming law. Mississippi is one step closer to having more state police within Jackson, thanks to the Jackson Capital Complex Improvement Bill, that's what they're calling it. Representative Zakia Summers, Democrat out of Jackson, and Representative John Hines, Democrat out of Greenville, were among some who voiced their opinions against the passage of this extreme and controversial bill. Tensions erupted Friday as the majority white and Republican-controlled Mississippi House passed the final version of a bill to expand the territory of the state-run police department inside of the capital city of Jackson, which is a majority black city and governed by Democrats. Supporters say the proposal is intended to increase safety in the city of nearly 150,000 residents, which has had more than 100 homicides each of the past three years. Opponents say the plan, which also would create a new court with an appointed judge, would stomp on local governance and create unequal systems of justice. About 83% of Jackson residents are black, the largest percentage of black residents of any major U.S. city. Now, once again, majority black city, but they have a community, they have a neighborhood, Basically, all the white people stay, okay? They don't stay in the neighborhoods with black folk. They stay in one community. Well, the state is passing a law to allow that one community to become its own district. That district will be governed by judges appointed through the state. That district will be governed by a police department controlled by the state. Now, they will tell you, oh, this is all about safety. However, this dynamic does not extend to Jackson. It only extends 
to the district they're creating that happens to overlay with the white neighborhood. Officers from the state-run Capitol Police have been patrolling around state government buildings in and near downtown while the Jackson Police Department's patrol the entire city. Critics say Capitol Police are aggressive and expanding the territory. They could endanger lives. Let's put up the original champion of this insane bill, Representative Trey Lamar. The bill's sponsor, Trey Lamar, has said repeatedly that race is not a factor in the proposal. He said he's trying to help Jackson become a more welcoming city for visitors and residents. You talk about being offended, I'm offended as well, Lamar said Friday after listening to several lawmakers denounce the bill. He goes on to say, if I have to stand here and listen to being called a racist because I'm trying to do the right thing, we're going to talk about the color that matters. And that's the red that flows in my veins, yours alike. Sir, that's weak. Everyone knows the law is racist. As a matter of fact, some of your colleagues aren't even bothering to say it is not. You're still trying to uh, promote the propaganda. Many of your colleagues have superseded you, sir. Uh, they're saying, hey, listen, it is what it is. This is where we are. You know, culturally, there has always been this dynamic, Sharon, of we have two criminal justice systems, right? We've talked about this. We've understood it in the context of culture. They are now taking it away from the context of culture. They are now codifying it in the context of statute, law, policy, governance. It has now become a legislative dynamic to literally have an absolute two-tier justice system in Mississippi. What are your thoughts? Well, Mississippi, it is what it is. When I say this, has always been the most racist state in the union. And that's just what oh, yeah. it is. I wonder if the lawmakers there had a party line or a hotline they got on with some people in Buckhead here in the Atlanta area, <laughs> right. okay? Because this thing seems to have tentacles in and outside, but Jackson's a special place. It cannot stand. Yeah. We'll, we will see what happens. Hopefully there's a lawsuit, maybe an injunction to the madness. As it stands now, is moving in the direction of the bigots. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right. Welcome back. A lot of show left. What if I told you a cop shot his pregnant girlfriend, Alabama cop? shot his pregnant girlfriend, called the police himself, told the police, oh, I think she shot herself. It's a damn shame. Put up the picture full mask. An Alabama cop fatally shot his girlfriend in the head, called 911, lied to 911 dispatchers that she had actually committed suicide. His name is Officer David McCoy. David McCoy, now a former Huntsville, Alabama cop, was indicted March 24th for capital murder for the 2022 shooting death of his girlfriend, Courtney Spragans, and their unborn baby. Investigators allege that Officer McCoy shot his girlfriend in the head while they were sitting in a parked car outside of his apartment in Huntsville on January 7th, 2022. The 29-year-old officer called the non-emergency police line to see if it had received any reports of a gunshot 
fired in the area and told the dispatcher he had woken up to the gun, to the sound of a gunshot from a small caliber gun. Officer McCoy was not on duty at the time of the shooting. Put up the picture. Look at that. He killed her. When investigators arrived, they found Spragans 26 shot in the head. She was on the, she was in the car, driver's seat. McCoy told responding officers, I think I've seen her once and that it seemed like she committed suicide. He later claimed to investigators that he did not know her. Investigators found a photo of McCoy inside of her vehicle, as well as text messages on her phone that indicated what led to the incident. Spragans had tried to move into McCoy's apartment, which he shared with another woman in December, but he told her he needed more time. Investigators described a text exchange between the two around that time in which Spragans asked McCoy what she was supposed to do. He responded, a bullet to the head sounds good to me. McCoy was questioned by authorities for five hours. By the end of the interview, he admitted, I did it, according to testimony at his preliminary hearing. Officer McCoy was allegedly tested uh, positive, did test positive for gunshot residue. And police said they found a pistol that was not his service weapon, along with Sprague's cell phone in a closet in his apartment. Investigators said that because of the number of wrong passcode attempts on the phone, they still have not been able to access her phone. There's a hearing set today for this case. This is evil personified. Imagine what kind of hell he was as a beat cop. All right. Okay. Sharon, insane thoughts here. It's insanity. And that's why I, we need to know more. All the police chief did was release a statement saying, well, yeah. he's no longer works here. Yep. Well, thanks chief. What, what about his background? What about the incidents, right? What about any complaints from others in the local community? You're not even animal. There you go. So you're an example of what they mean ignorant. Clear example Kill of what ignorant. Kill all. Kill all. You feel better? If you so bold, if you so bold, say your name. Say your name. Say you so bold. They just want to let you know the police is on the way. I called you to walk police, so you're leaving the scene of an accident, sir. Chief Walker, police like a That's what you said, but you did. You did. You can leave if you want. Feel better? Put up the picture for mass. Now, let's go ahead and do this the right way. A New York man is under investigation for his racist rant toward a black family in a grocery store parking lot. The incident occurred on March 20th at an Aldi in Chictawaga, a suburb of Buffalo. The sequence of events reportedly began when Kevin Moses went inside the grocery store to grab items while his wife, Cheryl, waited outside in the car. When Kevin returned, his wife told him 
that the man you're looking at hit their car. Kevin confronted the man and the situation escalated quickly as the white male started to yell racial slurs against the black couple. Cheryl then took out her phone and started recording the encounter. Chicktawaga PD showed up and told me since the vehicle was parked, they can't write a report. Insanity, right? I was given his insurance carrier name. However, no number or name. The police told WIVB4 News that they were aware of the video and launched an investigation to identify the man. Wait a minute. It took the local news to do the story before you launched an investigation. I thought you launched an investigation when you said you launched an investigation. There's more. The police captain, uh, Brian Kuhn, said in a statement, we have identified the individual through our investigative or investigation process. We have determined that we have dealt with this individual previously. Based on those dealings, we are getting the assistance of our behavioral health unit. The police also mentioned that they were working with the Erie County DA's office to determine if criminal charges should be pursued. Let me help you out here. Uh, they're saying basically they will now become his defense counsel. Okay, that is an affirmative defense saying that, well, there's a mental health issue. Um, that's an affirmative defense typically launched by your defense attorney. It looks as if this district is really proactive about making sure they are thoughtful how they allocate this particular dynamic. Um, if the individual is engaged in driving, shopping, hitting someone, knowing that is wrong, fleeing the scene, utilizing his tactics to avoid being captured, the court of law typically say that is evidence of a guilty conscience. You see, mental health is not the actual standard for the court. It is mental health to the degree or a mental issue to the degree that you are unable to understand right from wrong. It's not simply you having a mental health issue. Hell, we all have mental health issues on some level, including me. So this dynamic of he may have a mental health issue does not immune him to the reality of consequence based on the law. All right, Cousins, thoughts on this one. Yeah, leaving the scene of an accident with property damage and the cops saying we we can't write a report because the car was parked, that, that's a new one. That is yeah. absolutely something I've never heard in, in any state in this country. So right off the bat, as soon as I, I, I saw that part, it's like, all right, I already don't believe anything these cops are saying. Yeah. Absolutely a farce from the start. And then for them to say, well, yeah, we've determined, we've dealt with him in the past. In what capacity? You know, what has this man done previously that that we need to know about? Is he a danger to other individuals? Sure seemed like it mm -hmm. from that video. He he does seem a little unhinged, but the language that he was using, the the charges that he 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 made with these people, that's a threat. That is a danger. That is a uh, uh, somebody that shouldn't be on the streets, driving around and, and, and doing these kinds of things. So 
I, I hope they've got the behavioral health unit on this, but that also doesn't, as you said, it, it doesn't absolve the actual activity that took place there. Maybe it explains why he felt so emboldened to make those horrific claims in, in that video, but that doesn't yeah. excuse the other part of it. So we've got two separate issues here, right. a, a deeply racist man who may be dealing with some demons, but also clearly with it enough to understand that he's hit a vehicle and just left and the cops did nothing about that. And that it, the whole thing is absolutely sickening. And I, th I think yeah. we all know why the cops didn't do anything about it. We are going to keep the pressure high on this particular story. We will bring you updates as they come. Trump arraigned, all right? He's indicted. There's an arraignment. We got the pictures. Let's put them up. There it is. Now, I'm still waiting on the mugshot. So former President Trump's arraignment is underway in Manhattan. This is a courtroom after the grand jury in New York voted to indict Trump in connection with his alleged role in hush money paid amid his 2016 presidential campaign to the adult film star Stormy Daniels to silence her allegations of an affair. Supporters and critics of the former president began gathering outside of the courthouse earlier in the day. Some anti-Trump protesters cheered as he walked into the building. Trump is expected to return to Florida shortly after his arraignment, where he is slated to make remarks at Mar-a-Lago at 8.15 p.m. He is likely going to call on people to do dangerous things. Hopefully that will not happen. Um, Donald Trump is a criminal. This is actually the third time Trump has been indicted. Let me explain that. An impeachment is an indictment. It is an indictment of a constitutional officer. Constitutional authorities typically are not indicted, so to speak. They are impeached. Indictment by definition means formal reading of the charges. That's what an indictment is. And impeachment means the exact same thing. It means the formal reading of charges against a constitutional authority. So this is Donald Trump's third actual indictment. Here's my prediction. He's going to be indicted by the Fulton County Grand Jury next. After that, he will be indicted by the DC Grand Jury. And then down the road, I believe New York, the state, is going to get some of that action, and he will be indicted by the state of New York. And hell, who knows? Maybe even Ron DeSatan may get some of that action, too. All right. Sharon, our fallen leader in court, former president. They say it's a slippery slope to start charging a former president because that means that other presidents are subject to being charged. Well, that's the idea. That's the idea. Before I go to you, let me go to the T-shirt. Trump already got his propaganda uh, director on top of it. This is why we need a real damn mugshot, Mr. DA. I need a real mugshot. He does not deserve the privilege of posing for his own mugshot. Give me the mugshot. All right, sharing thoughts. I, I don't know that I have thoughts because I just, as you were just taking us beautifully through this triumphant day. Yeah. <laughs> Trumpian day. I just can't stop smiling. I do believe that Fonnie Willis is up next in Fulton County, and we'll see. We'll see who actually gets this guy to, to a full 
completed trial, Dr. Yeah. Richie, but I do think it's delicious. Let them go ahead and fundraise and we'll see what happens next. Slippery slope. Yeah, there you go. And let me say this about democracy, because I hear the arguments on both sides that this is unprecedented. Yes, Trump is unprecedented. This is a slippery slope. Yes, it was a slippery slope the day the man was sworn in. You see, at this point, we have to pick our poison. You got two slippery slopes. You got one that says a president is, in fact, above the law. And you have the other one that says, nope, former presidents can be charged with crimes. You have to pick which one. Because this case, this man, this former president will decide how we run as a nation from this day moving forward. Now, yes, it does mean former presidents are subjected to indictment. That's what it means. But guess what? That's what it is supposed to be in a democracy. If you say that a former president cannot be subjected to indictment, you are then submitting that a former president is in fact above the law. Are you not subjected to indictment? If you do something illegal, if we do something illegal in America, we are subjected to what? Indictment. So should former presidents if we actually have a democracy and no man or woman is above the law. This is a good thing for democracy. We'll get accustomed to it. We'll get used to the fact that a former president has been indicted. And yes, it may open up a floodgate for former presidents with new administrations coming in the future. But let me say this, while it is a sacrifice possibly for former presidents, it is a worthy one. It is a required one for democracy to stand. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. I'll do that, but might I add that that yes. right there was a sermon. Okay, <laughs> that right there was a sermon. Why we love you, and you need to be right up in that courtroom giving a closing argument. I'd only add, look right at him and say, "You nasty." Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's right. At Sharon Straight B. nasty. Uh, I'll drop some rebel in installments um, soon, and always appreciate you, Doc. Always appreciate you as well. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.